Well, a couple of weeks ago, I, I uh, opened and I prayed for Brother Bodie and Faith Baptist Church, and I should have uh, clarified what I was doing beforehand because everybody asked me, well, what's going on at Faith? Uh, nothing was going on at Faith. Uh, I just want to, at least every now and again, pray for our other brothers and sisters, those who are in the gospel ministry with us, especially here in our area. I want to raise them up in prayer. Because God's got more going on in Bastrop and Morehouse Parish than right here at First Baptist. So uh, I want to pray this morning for Benita Road as we go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Father, we just come to you today and we confess our weakness before you, Lord. Lord, in our sin we stand condemned. And it's only by your, your grace that we are saved. And Lord, unless you come and bless us today, Lord, we will not be blessed. So we pray, Father, that you would come today and fill our hearts with the Holy Spirit and give us a fresh vision of your glory and your redeeming grace through Jesus Christ. Come, Lord, I pray. And Lord, today I pray for Brother Casey and Benita Road as he stands before them and opens up the word that you have given him, Lord. I pray your blessings upon him. Open their hearts. Bless their church, O oh Lord, as they take the gospel as our partners to this community. Bless them and keep them, Lord. Now, Lord, bless our day together. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 10 through 14 this morning. Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. Uh, you know, I, I used to not be a, a very good cook. I'm still not that great. Uh, but I used to be a really bad cook. Uh, in a lot of ways, because I always wanted to mess with the recipe, right? You get the recipe, I always thought, man, this would just be so much better if I added this. Or why not try that? And it always messed it up. It always messed it up. It always come out tasting a lot worse. So I used to always mess up recipes by adding to that. Well, that's what happens when we start trying to add things to the gospel, we mess it up. We mess it up. It's no longer the gospel. It's been robbed of all of its goodness when we start tweaking it and start adding things to it. You know, that's, that's what took place there at Galatia in the churches of Galatia. As these Judaizers, these false teachers began to come into these churches after Paul had preached the, the true gospel, they came in and they began to mess with the recipe. They began to add things to the gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ by grace through faith plus works, obedience to the works of the law, and they messed it up. They destroyed the gospel by adding to the gospel. And so Paul, as you remember, is coming in and he is trying to correct that. Now it just amazes me how often this is the case, how often it is that the church likes to tweak the gospel and begin to add things to it. We can be very guilty of this. 
Oh yes, you're saved if you come to uh, come by faith through grace, uh, come by grace through faith, and believe in Jesus Christ. You'll be saved, uh, but you better dress up a little, dress a little differently too. You might need to change the way you you live your life. You see, we start adding all of these things to it. It's salvation by God's grace through faith, but you need to do this other thing too. But that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that it is by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that we are saved. And so that's what we begin to see. Paul is defending the gospel against these false teachers. Now last week, we began to, to get in Paul's argument, his defense of the true gospel. That, that the gospel is justification by faith alone. That is, we stand justified, we stand in a right, in, at, uh, we stand at a, as a right before God, when he stands, when we stand before Him as our judge, the way we are righteous before Him, the way we are right before Him is by faith in Jesus Christ. And so, last week, we noted that we can know that justification is by faith alone because of the gospel message itself, because of the gospel that has been preserved for us in Scripture, the testimony of the apostles. We can know that it's by faith alone because of the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit transforming the lives of believers. And we can know that justification is by faith alone because of the testimony of all of Scripture, Old and New Testament alike, point to the fact that justification is by faith alone. Today we continue, Paul continues that same argument. If you look there, as so we begin to, we're going to start in verse 10, but you can see there, verse 10 starts with the word for. For. Now, we can translate that for as because. Now, he's given more reasoning that we can know that justification is by faith alone. You remember last week, that's what he was talking about. This is how we can know that we're children of Abraham. This is how we know that we, can, that we are saved. And he's continuing that argument. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith, because all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. So we're continuing that argument. And so today we see that we can know that justification is by faith alone because faith, by faith, we are redeemed from the law's curse and guaranteed God's blessing. By faith, by faith, we are redeemed from the law's cursed, curse and guaranteed God's blessing. So today we're going to see three further assertions that show us that justification is indeed by faith alone. Now my hope is that when you leave here today, that you feel the liberty in the gospel, that you are freed from the weight of the law. Because even as Christians, we can get weighed down under the weight of the law. I want you to leave here freed from the weight of the law, the weight of legalism. So if you found your place there in Galatians, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. 
For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified by justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of His holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may He write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. So three assertions that show us that justification is by faith alone. Uh, the first assertion that we see here that shows us that justification is by faith alone uh, comes from verse 10. Here we see all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. All who rely on works of the law are under a curse. That's exactly what Paul says. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. Now, when we think about the law, just any law, think about law in general, the law in general. Uh, under the law, strict obedience is required. Under the law, strict obedience is required. Now, think about the law. Just think about the law in general. Think about our law as a nation. When you think about the law, law laws are written with very specific language, aren't they? I mean, that's why we, if we have to go to court, if we, we have to do something, we have to hire a lawyer to help us understand the law because it's, it's, it's so precise. It's written with such precision. There's no ambiguity about it. And, and so they have to be very spe specific and precise because you, you think about that. If you are standing before a judge, you want that law to be precise. You want every little detail laid out in plain view so that you might understand it. Uh, otherwise, if there's ambiguity there, then, then it's on the judge's uh, subjective opinion whether you're guilty or not, isn't it? And so there needs to be that precision when it comes to law. When we sign a contract, there needs to be precision in that language. Uh, else, otherwise, the, the people whom we are coming under a contract with, they can kind of just add to and, and go with whatever they want to, don't, don't, can't they? And, and so there needs to be that precision when it comes to law. And when we think about the law, that strict obedience is a requirement. When we come under the law, we have to be obedient to every letter of the law. That's why that precision is so necessary. And the same is true with God's Word. There, there's a precision uh, to, the, to the law of God. He wrote it with precise language so that there's no ambiguity about it. And so when we come to the law, we see that there's no black and white. Or, or excuse me, there's no gray area, but it's all black and white. 
It's right or wrong. There is no gray. And so we see that even in this text that we have today. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Notice that, who, those who uh, do not abide by all things. Cursed are those who do not abide by all things written in the book of the law. Strict obedience to the law is an absolute requirement when it comes to the law. Now, Paul here is quoting a text from the Old Testament. He is actually quoting a text from Deuteronomy chapter 27. Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 10. Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 10 reads, uh, excuse me, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 26 it reads, Cursed be anyone who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them, and all the people shall say, Amen. Now, let me just give you the kind of little context that that's, that's being quoted or that's being said, delivered to the people of Israel. Uh, this is with the people of Israel. Moses is giving them this final instruction. Uh, they're about to go over into the land of Israel, the land of promise. They're about to cross over the Jordan and take possession of the promised land. And so Moses is giving them these final instructions before he hands over the, the leadership to Joshua and the people go over into the promised land. And one of the final instructions that Moses gives to the people is that when they get over into the land of promise, they would divide themselves and they would go to these two adjacent mountains there. Uh, one was the, the Mount, Mount Gerizim and the other Mount Elba or Ebal. And so half of the people of Israel, they were to stand on Mount Gerizim and they were to represent the blessings of God's covenant with Moses, the Mosaic covenant. And then the other half of Israel, they were to stand on Ebal and they were to pronounce the curses due to them who, who did not keep the letter of the law. And so this was to show, to remind them, to be a constant reminder of to them of the preciseness of the law, the strict obedience that was required under the law. You stand over here and you get all of these things. If we do, if we abide by the word of the Lord, if we do all the things required in the law, these things are guaranteed to us. But over here, we have the mount of the curse. If we do not abide by the word of God and the law of God, then these curses, we, we will have those, these curses come upon us. And, and so there's, there's no black and, there's no gray. There's, it's only black and white. Let me just read you a couple of passages here. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 and 2, if and if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now, if you go back and, and read, or if you continue on there and read, you'll see all the blessings that they are laying out. We don't have time to do that today, but uh, that's part of your homework assignment this week. Go back and read Deuteronomy chapter 27 and 28. 
and you'll, that'll help bring this thing together for you. But that's, that's, the, that's what, these, all of these blessings, I will bless you and keep you in the land. I will prosper you. I will bring all kinds of blessings upon you and your land if you obey the word of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord. Yet, with the curses, Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 15 says, but if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. And if you go on and read those curses, cursed will be you and your offspring. Cursed will be the ground. Cursed will be the land. All of these curses, if they, if they obey, God blesses them. If they disobey, God will send down curses upon them and upon their land. Now this was a national covenant. This was a covenant between God and the nation of Israel. Now, what happened? What happened in the history of Israel? They disobeyed. They disobeyed over and over and over and over again. They disobeyed the commandments of God. They disobeyed the law of God. And ultimately, what happened? God sent them out of the land. He cursed them. He cursed their land. He sent them out into exile. And that's the way of the law. That's the way of the law. The law requires strict obedience. But... We need to remember what the law was for. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. That's the whole purpose of the law. It's to remind us. It's to give us that knowledge of sin, to see sin and to see our need for a Savior so under the law, strict obedience is required. But, and we also notice here that the smallest offense ends in a curse. The smallest offense under the law ends in a curse. Paul here, he, as he begins to, to continue on in his argument, he sets two verses in contrast to one another. As you continue on, first off, we see here that righteousness or how one is justified is by faith. The righteous by faith shall live. Notice there in verse 11, Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. And here Paul is quoting Habakkuk 2.4. And he says, The one who excuse me, the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. Now, in the English, they smooth that out and they word it this way to smooth it out for us. But, but when we look at the, the word order in the Greek, uh, it, it kind of gives us a better picture of what Paul is talking about here. Literally, you could translate this verse, the one who is righteous by faith shall live. The one who is righteous by faith. How is he righteous? How is one righteous? By faith. That one shall live, shall receive the blessing of life from God. But in contrast to that, we see how it ends for those who are under the law, who live by the law. But the law is not of faith. 
Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. How does the one under the law live? By doing all the requirements of the law. You see, if there's strict obedience, then, then Paul's saying, if, if someone perhaps was able to live in strict obedience to the law, yes, that person would be justified by his works. But you see, there's the problem. There's the whole problem. The least offense leads to condemnation. The least offense leads to the curse. And guess what? There's not a human being who's ever lived other than the one, Jesus Christ, who was ever able to keep the law of God with perfect obedience. That's the whole point of the law, is to show us, to show us our sin, to make us aware of our sin, to show us that we cannot do it ourselves. So, relying on works of the law ends in condemnation. It ends in death. The wages of sin is death. That's what you have to look for if you want to live under the law. If you want to say, okay, God, I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to be active in church, and I'm going to do all these things once I get my life straight. No, you're never going to get your life straight enough to save you. The only hope you have is faith in Jesus Christ. All who rely on works of the law are under a curse. So we can know that justification is by faith alone because all who rely on works of the law are under the curse. Second, we can know that justification is by faith alone because Christ redeemed us from the law's curse. Christ redeemed us from the lost curse. That's what Christ came to do. This was his purpose in stepping down from his glorious throne and coming to this earth. It was to redeem us from the lost curse. Notice there in verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Christ redeemed us. Let's focus in on that for just a moment. What does it mean that Christ redeemed us? Now, justification we talked about, that's a legal term. That's talking about a legal setting. We're standing before God at His throne of judgment. And so we're looking for the hammer to come down, either justified or condemned. But redemption is an is a economic term. It means buying back something at a cost, at a high cost in this case. The imagery that he he is showing here, the imagery that that Paul is bringing to mind to the Galatians is an image that was quite frankly uh, common in their day. It was the imagery of uh, the slave market. The slave market. Uh, people would often have to, well, they would get into impoverished situations, and so to get out of poverty, they would sell themselves into slavery. Or the Romans would come in and they would conquer a people, and they would put the people into slavery. And so the slave market was a, a common thing in Paul's day. 
Now, if you were a slave sold into slavery and you had a person who wanted to come redeem you, that person could come buy you at a high price, at a high cost themselves. They could come to the slave market and they could buy you out of slavery. That was the only way that you could get out of slavery is if you were redeemed. That's what Paul is talking about here. Christ redeemed us. He bought us out of slavery at a high cost to himself. When A.J. Gordon, uh, he's the founder of Gordon Cromwell uh, Seminary, but when A.J. Gordon was pastoring a church in Boston, one time he came into the church and, and there was a young boy there sitting there in the church and he had an old rusty bird cage and he had a few wild birds that he had captured out in the field he had them in the bird cage and so Gordon came up and said well young man so you got some birds there what are you going to do with those birds oh well you know I'll, I'll probably play with them for a little while and eventually I'll probably just feed them to my cat at home well crime, uh, Gordon looked at him and said oh okay well I tell you what why don't you let me buy those birds from you well, why do you want to buy these birds? They're nothing but old wild birds. They're not good for anything. You don't want to buy these birds. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I'll give you $2 for your cage and the birds. Now, you remember this is back in the 1800s, and so $2, that was a half a, a, half a week's wage for a common laborer. That's, this was good money, and here this little boy, he's offering this little boy $2 for this bird cage and the birds in them. Oh, those, those aren't worth $2? Are you crazy? I want to buy the birds for $2. And so he bought the birds, he gave the little boy $2, he bought the birds, and then he went out to the back of the church and he opened up the cage and he let the birds go free. Sunday morning, when he came to the pulpit, he had there on the pulpit that empty birdcage and explained redemption. Christ came and he paid a high price to redeem us. We were doomed. We were under the curse. But Christ paid a high price to open the cage and free us. From the lost curse. Christ redeemed us. How did Christ redeemed, redeem us? It came at a high price for himself. Christ redeemed us by becoming a curse. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Paul again here is quoting an Old Testament scripture. He is saying, this is what the law says, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Those who have broken the law, one of the things was that they would be executed and then they would be hung on a tree to show their condemnation. They were condemned before God. And that's what Christ did. He came, though He was without sin, He never sinned. He never broke God's law, not one bit. Yet He went to Calvary's cross and he allowed himself to be hung on the tree. He allowed himself to take on our curse, our sin, our shame, our debt. And he paid our debt in our place by receiving God's condemnation 
on our behalf. Christ redeemed us at a high price. We were under the law. We were under the condemnation of the law. Destined for an eternal death and a devil's hell. And Christ became a curse for us. To buy us back and free us from the law. Oh dear friend, what a blessing we have in the redemption of Jesus Christ. So we can know that justification is by faith alone. Because all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. And Christ redeemed us from the law's curse. Third, we can know that justification is by faith alone because Christ secured for us God's blessing. Through his death and resurrection, Christ secured for us God's blessing. Notice as he continues on there in verse 14. So that, now this was the purpose, right? That's a, so that is a purpose statement. It's opening up a purpose statement. He says Christ redeemed us by becoming a, law, a curse for us so that, for this reason, for this purpose, so that in Christ the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. So that in Christ the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. And by, by dying on the cross, Christ secured for us the blessing that God promised Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12. I want to remind you of that this morning. Genesis chapter 12, when God first came and made His covenant with Abraham, He said to Abraham, Abraham, go from your country and, and your kindred and your father's house and to the land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make you and make your name great so that for this purpose so that you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you, all the nations, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Christ secured the blessing for us, the blessing of Abraham for us, for even us Gentiles. Right? He secured that blessing for us. Now, what was this blessing? What was the blessing that He secured for us? Because in Galatians, He shows it's a singular blessing. What's this blessing Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. Here again God comes to Abraham. And He says, Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Did you catch it? Did you catch the blessing of Abraham? Let me say it again. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. What's the blessing? The blessing's God. It's a God. What greater treasure in all of the universe is there but God? We get God in Abraham. We get God through the blessing of Abraham. Christ secured for us a relationship with He who is most valuable. He secured with us the Creator, a, a, a relationship with the Creator of all things who is omnipotent, omniscient, 
and the blessing that Christ secured for us on Calvary's cross. Christ secured for us a relationship with God. What greater can we have? All the riches of the world cannot compare to the glory of God. And in Christ, in Christ, we have that wonderful blessing. The blessing of a relationship with an almighty, all-glorious God. Not only was the blessing secured by Christ, but the blessing was, is then received by faith. So that in Christ, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that, here's another purpose statement, for this reason, so that we, all of us, might receive the promised Spirit through faith. The Spirit of God that dwells in us who believe. The Spirit that we receive is God living in us. We have this new relationship with us. But not only that, but God moves in. He comes to live and dwell within us. And we receive it by faith. Not by doing anything. Not by keeping the law. None of that. But by trusting in Jesus. That's all there is to it, friend. That's all there is to it. There's nothing left to do. Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him. It was accredited to him as righteousness. So that when God looks at us, He doesn't see our disobedience anymore. He doesn't see our sin-stained clothing anymore. But all He sees is the righteousness, the obedience of His Son, Jesus Christ. No longer does He come to us in condemnation, but He comes with us and comes to us with the full blessings, all of His rich blessings to pour them out upon us by faith, by simply trusting in Jesus. Dear friend, I want you to see that today. There's nothing left for you to do. There's nothing that you need to do but trust in Jesus Christ. Abraham, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, so it is for you, dear friend, today. Christ secured all the blessings of God that He promised God's children to Abraham. He secured all of those blessings for us by giving Himself on Calvary's cross. And then securing them even more for us by raising up from the dead, showing us that everything had been taken care of. By God's grace, through faith, there is redemption. By faith alone, 
there is redemption from the law's curse. Dear friend, under the law, we stand condemned. But by faith, we are redeemed from the curse and guaranteed life in Jesus Christ. By faith, we are redeemed from the law's curse and guaranteed God's blessing. If you are trusting in Jesus Christ today, dear friend, if you are trusting in Him, if you are believing in Him, trusting in the work that He has accomplished on Calvary's cross for you, if you trust in that, all of the promises of God are for you. And the great promise of all, that you have a relationship with He who is most worthy, He who is most glorious, it's yours in Christ. Now dear Christian, today I want you to understand this. In Christ, by God's grace, through faith in Christ, God's promises are guaranteed to you. What does that mean for you today? That means today we are free from all of, all of life's depressions. We are free from the spiritual depression that often comes along in the Christian walk. How often do we get burdened by the weight of the law even as we walk with Christ? Well, I think in my own life, how often have I been spiritually depressed thinking, oh God, how could you love me? Look at what I've done. How could you love me? Look at my mess. But you know the word that I always get by, get back from God? By grace, through faith in my son Jesus, I love you. God's love is not conditioned upon our obedience. Oh yes, it's, it's wonderful when we are obedient to the Word of God. He wants that for us. That's why His Spirit's living in us to work obedience in us. But that's not the requirement of God for His love. The requirement of God for His love is salvation, justification by grace through faith in Jesus. That's it. So you can be free from the, the weight of the law today by trusting in Jesus. Oh, Christian, feel the freedom, feel the liberty. And knowing your mess up does not change God's love for you one bit. And perhaps you're here today and you're an unbeliever. And you're feeling the weight of the law because you stand condemned before God. By God's grace, through faith, there's freedom. Freedom from the curse. Freedom from the burden of the law. You can't get your life straight. Leave that to God. And trust in Jesus. He'll free you from the curse. He'll free you from the burden. And He will give you life with God. Oh, Heavenly Father, Today I pray. Lord, there are some here today, they, they are believers. They are feeling the weight of their sin. They are, they're spiritually depressed because of their sin. They've listened to that lie that God doesn't love you because you have sinned. But Lord, 
Your love is not conditioned by our obedience. Your love is conditioned by what your son did in our place. And by faith, you give us the freedom to be freed from that burden. You give us that, that freedom to be freed from that burden, to leave behind that burden. And live in your grace. Oh Lord, free us from the burden of the law. And Lord, today there are those here who are under condemnation because they've never trusted in Jesus. Plead with their hearts today to turn away from their sin, their disobedience, and turn to Jesus, trusting in Him. And know the freedom that you offer in Him. By your grace, through faith. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Stand with us if you will.